This is the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the journeys of digital transformation with organizations from around the world. I'm Emily Kotecki. Today, I'm talking with Barbara Makawati Afitu and Kolokesa Mahina Duai, co-founders of the consultancy and advocacy group Langimama in New Zealand. Barbara and Kolokesa work with museums to transform how they elevate and center indigenous voices. When COVID hit, the duo had to quickly switch their approach and use digital in a way they had never done before. But the relationships they had formed with their communities supported that pivot. Barbara and Kolokesa, thank you for being here to share your experience. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us. Let's um, begin actually with each of you. I'm curious to hear just a little bit about your backgrounds. Barbara, will you start? Sure. So, um, Malo Lovely Soy for Mawalangi Mama. Um, I, my name is Barbara. Um, I'm Samoan. Um, I, my background is um, 20 years, even though I look very young, 20 years in central and local government. Um, and then I moved into philanthropy and then ended up in the, in the museum sector. Thank you. And uh, Kolokesa, how about yourself? My name is Kolokesa Wafa Mahina Tuai, and I am of Tongan heritage. I have a background in um, art history and social anthropology, um, and also in museums and heritage studies. Um, so professionally, I got into working, um, I have been working as a curator um, in museums, and specifically um, looking after um, the Moana Oceania or Pacific collections. Sort of a, a lot of the things that I had studied and had come across working in museums have just uh, uh, revolved beautifully into what um, Barbara and I are doing um, with Langimama. Can you tell us a little bit more about Langimama and where the name came from? One of the big gaps that we saw was, was how to um, to truly and genuinely, I think, you know, enter into real relationships with our Indigenous communities, especially with our Moana Oceania communities. Obviously, with Kolokesa and I being Samoan and Tongan, um, you know, going into these spaces and working in these spaces, you know, we don't park the fact that we're Samoan and Tongan at the, at the door. So everything that we do within these spaces is informed and led by who we come from and, and, and how we were raised. There's a shared um, Moana Oceania uh, way of knowing, seeing and doing that is common in, in some places, for example, you know, definitely in Tonga and in Samoa and some of the other island nations, but not all throughout the region, is the importance of the past as a means of informing what we do in the present. Um, which will then shape what the future will look like, you know. So um, that is reflected in our name, um, Langimama, where um, it's based on, on Tongan oral history, where Langi literally means sky, symbolically means Samoa, but also symbolically um, references the future. Mama literally means light, symbolically means Tonga, and um, 
also symbolically references the present. That was the context that was gifted to us <laughs> by Hufanga um, Lotu Professor Augustino Mahina, where he actually gave us an essay <laughs> with our name, but it gave us a foundation that it really is what informs what we do in the present and always ensuring, you know, knowing that what our ancestors have done, the wisdom of our ancestors are always put in front of us. Can you provide not only an example maybe of what your work looks like, but how do you integrate digital into that? You know, COVID has been many things, but what it definitely has um, has enabled us all to do, you know, is I suppose learn and adapt and using it as a tool for this transformation of knowledge. And last year we did this incredible project um, around the importance of arts and its contribution to well-being, which we thought was a fantastic, you know, a fantastic idea. But we asked them, you know, lovingly, so whose definition of art are you using? Are you privileging? Obviously, it would always be the Western, the dominant. And so then we challenged them lovingly, um, you know, what would it look like if you if you supported us in actually engaging with all of these 17 Mona Oceania communities and asking them directly from their own Indigenous lens what art is. And so we had to learn very quickly um, how to use Zoom, you know, because this all happened during just before COVID and then during COVID. And our communities are so adaptable. But then I think one of the big things was around, you know, in, in I suppose in the absence of being able to be in that physical space, how do you build protocols around a digital space? You know, and, and for a lot of what was being shared, you know, the sacred knowledge. And so it was very much around building the protocols for that and within it and through it so that everyone could feel safe and sharing. Do you feel like what you're doing is visitor research? Because often that's a term that's very, uh, it's very widely used, right, in museums and libraries. Or do you feel like it's something else? I, I think it's something else. I think it's something much deeper, um, I find the, the terminology visitor, you know, problematic. I think one of the big things with us doing the work that we do, but even when we were in the museum, you know, the protocol around each of our community groups coming in and we would do a mihi whakato, So it would be a welcoming of them to be part of this family, part of the museum family. And so as part of that living community now, um, you know, it's our responsibility in those institutions to ensure that we build relationships with, you know, these, these Indigenous communities that have treasures within those spaces, but also for a lot of our communities, they're not objects. You know, they are ancestors for many. So it's, it's, it's a sacredness as well that goes in and with, within it. How do you prioritize using digital to achieve the work that you want to do with museums and within museums? I think with COVID, you know, at the end of the day, there is no, you know, we are now forced into a different way of, of being. And, and I can truly say, you know, um, having, I'm um, talking our Kiribas mamas through how to download their, their Zoom on their laptop and on their, on their phones remotely, you know, and Kolokesu and I being the most untech people that you can find um, was, you know, so, so everyone knows that this is a new way of, of being. Some of the feedback that we actually got back was very much around how safe they felt because for many of them on this digital platform, they don't feel safe. 
you know, that they feel like many are, are online to just take. Um, and, and there's no genuine kind of, you know, um, reciprocal kind of interaction and relationship. Um, you know, when we did our talk story, our second one was Zoom bombed, which we had never, ever experienced. So it was it was really traumatic because we had elders online and for them to even be online was one thing. And it was the New Aeans, you know, the New Aeans got Zoom bombed because it was their turn. But what was incredible, because, you know, it was one thing for the swearing, it was one thing for, for it to get racial. But when it got pornographic and we kind of pulled it, you know, we were just like, oh, my gosh. And then we had all the elders after. So Kessa's crying in her home. I'm just like traumatized and shock in my home, you know, and, um, and the elders were on, you know, on messenger and they go, hurry up, we're waiting, what's happening? And so then, you know, as part of the way we, we operate, you know, um, that evening, we didn't sleep, you know, both Kiss and I were online and we were apologizing, you know, to everyone. And the elders came back and they said, this is nothing. We have lived through so much. I go, what you guys are doing is so important or this wouldn't have happened. Keep going. You know, the physical is going to be no longer for the immediate future. So we have to use this digital platform. You know, as be mentioned and with all communities we adapt and with COVID-19 of course that's that's the reality everyone um, is having to to communicate um, digitally but at the same time we still carry the fact that those that we draw into conversations whether it's in person or digitally we know that what they share is because of this relationship that we have existing whether it's been for years or we've just recently met them but there's trust not a lot of people realize, you know, and those that do know um, and genuinely understand what it means to, um, to protect the knowledge of our communities when it needs to be protected, um, understand the, the weight of that responsibility and, and why it needs to be done properly. Let's say I am a museum or library with a collection of First Nations objects, could be manuscripts, objects. And I want to digitize those objects so I can connect my collection with those communities that are so important and have and have the knowledge of those objects. I'm coming to you. Where do you help me start? That's a fantastic question. You start with the living communities of those First Nations. How have all of their treasures, how have their ancestors been even named and categorized in these spaces and you know in these institutions? You know, so it's it's almost like there needs to be so much work done before the conversation around putting it out digitally. Um, what what do you call that in your language? Which is again is highly problematic because for many of our communities, you know, there is no one language, you know, there, there are 800 and some, and but you also realize there might be a way that you can start that conversation on, you know, in that digital platform. I'll, I'll tag Kessa in because she can add to that. Yeah, I think you've, you know, you've already talked about the process in terms of, um, if you're planning to do a something, um, whether it is digitizing a collection, is bring them in and be part of the conversation. Don't just tag them on at the end when you've already decided on an approach, because that's always been the case. If you don't bring in them at the very beginning to say, this is what we're planning to do, how would we approach it? And how would we digitize it? And they might come and say, actually, we don't think it should be digitized. <laughs> and if we do, then th these are the, the, the ways that it should be digitized. So there's, there's a lot of damage that can happen 
when it's only very much reliant on on an understanding that the expertise is someone that has come through an institution has a, a qualification like a PhD or a master's but not realizing that actually within our own communities we have our own PhDs and our own masters. How do you think about um, kind of that idea you're you're working with museums you are helping them to center those community voices to ideally create that, like, as you said, that deeper, longer lasting relationship. How do you work with staff to build capacity to make sure that the projects that you start are sustained beyond, let's say, the length of your specified project? Nearly 20 years that I've worked in that space, the same Oh, how do we engage and how do we digitally engage now? You know, it's the same problems. If you haven't nailed that and the key is relationships, then it's going to be held by us who are part of those communities within those institutions. And when we leave, we leave with those relationships. So the museum and those institutions are going to be in the same um, place that they they started out with because they haven't really understood um, how to... um, really nurture those relationships and sustain them. When you look to the future, I have another quote, and I forget from where, but it was from either a talk or article I read with, with you guys. It says, quote, we as a collective start to create for those that are to follow. So as we think ahead for the future, what do you mean by that quote? And then how does digital play for you in planning for that future? One of our core values, I suppose, is very much around privileging Indigenous knowledge. Everyone's talking about this whole hashtag decol, you know, decolonizing, you know, these institutions, and which which I find really interesting, but also problematic by way of we're not building enough tools in, in the space to to privilege Indigenous knowledge. You, you can't change the past, you know, the past has been what it is, but what we need to do is actually find ways so that the ways of being the dominant can can be, I won't say complemented, but we talk about horsesaw, we talk about the balance, and that's what's missing in a lot of our spaces. We're working with Vernon Systems, for example, at the moment, in creating an Indigenous framework um, for the, a collection management system. And I mean, even that conversation has been a journey over months, you know, because it was like, oh, you know, okay, and then if you click here, then this is where the Tongan Indigenous lens is. I go, no, 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 you open it, and this is the Tongan, you know, this is how it's, and and it was actually our Fijians that gifted us that in one of our, in one of our holders of knowledge session. And it was just incredible because, oh, you know, they come with their own flip chart. And they actually had their own cultural structure, you know, their own indigenous itauke of, of this is where everyone, this is how it sits, you know, mm. this is, and it's like, these are ancient, these are ways of knowing. And yet we were trying to say, but what do you call that bowl? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess in addition, just to add to what Barbara shared, you know, um, that is, you know, one of the ways forward, but those digital tools won't mean anything if you don't have the knowledge to inform those digital tools. And with the collections management software, that's a key tool because that's what cultural institutions, including museums, use to categorize and classify and hold the knowledge of our communities. And when the the framework of of those softwares are not aligned with the different 
lenses and different worldviews of First Nations collections or Indigenous collections within these museums, then, then you're not genuinely acknowledging that in a way that is meaningful to the communities because you're not including, you know, of them. So um, yes, to the whole um, future and, 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 and sort of the digital side of things. But I think the key thing is if you don't have the knowledge in anything that you do, then it's gonna be the same old, same old, I suppose. <laughs> I wanna thank both of you for being here. Barbara Makawati Afitu and Kolokesa Mahina Duai, co-founders of the consultancy Langimama in New Zealand. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge with me and with all of our listeners. Thank you for the opportunity, Emily. At the end of every episode, we hear from Catherine Devine, Global Business Strategy Leader for Libraries and Museums at Microsoft. Catherine, what did you hear today? Well, thank you, Emily, for another great episode. Um, And Barbara and Kolokesa, thank you for joining us. This was um, a very moving conversation for me and uh, really resonated and, again, highlighted for me that technology is an enabler of things that we cannot do in the physical world. And it's about providing um, more access um, than we would otherwise. But I loved how this particular episode actually talks about some very, very important discussions that we're having in the in the museum and library community around inclusion and talks about this one Oceana approach that um, is very important to Barbara and Kolokesa. And for those who don't know the region, um, the Pacific Islands region is uh, is very um, remote and has you know challenges in terms of being able to engage everybody. So the idea of using technology to do that and bring people together and collaborate and get their perspectives and the importance that engaging with them to represent the past, to be able to look to the future is such important, so important to the culture. And and as a result, um, you know, technology hastens that. But as they discuss, things can go wrong. And, you know, it requires a sense of adventurousness and bravery. I think with technology, I think sometimes we can look at it as like, well, you know, what are all the things that could go wrong and that prevents us from going forward? Um, whereas things will go wrong and things will go right. You'll be able to do things that you couldn't otherwise do. I also want to comment on um, this idea around inclusion that, you know, I think this really resonated with me. We always talk about inclusion from the idea of the dominant culture's perspective on what inclusion is. You know, we should be more inclusive and we should be thinking about how to do that. Um, But Barbara and Kolokesa make a really important point, which is you need to actually engage with the living communities to get their perspective, because their perspective is actually the perspective. Um, Everything else is an interpretation. And and so I think that this is this really resonated with me. And of course, thinking about how technology allows you to achieve that. So Barbara and Kolkesa make some important points um, around, you know, when you're interpreting something, we gave to the dominant cultures the Western interpretation of something. And then and then we present the Tongan, for example, um, as a sort of a side note, whereas really the Tongan should be the dominant. Um, and... Western interpretation should be another interpretation. 
I think this is such an important lesson. Um, and again, you know, bringing this back to technology and the theme of these conversations that we're having. It, technology is about allowing us to do these things in a way that we haven't necessarily been able to do before, although we haven't necessarily had the access to do before. So um, I want to really thank um, Barbara and Colin Kessler for joining us today. And again, thank you, Emily, of course, as well. Um, this was, uh, as I said, a very profound conversation that really sort of hit me on a number of levels and which uh, I think I learned some important lessons and uh, hopefully our audience, did, um, you know, sort of share those feelings as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Barbara and Kolokesa. And thank you to all of our listeners around the world. The Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast is released every Monday and can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts.